The Start On Demand. On demand. We have a temporary reprieve from the extreme cold. Keyword, temporary. The deep cold is coming back. We'll find out how long it's coming back and how cold. It's National Non-Smoking Week, and the unlikeliest of sources reached out to talk to us about it. Big Tobacco. That's right, Rothmans, Benson, and Hedges wanted to chat with us, so we did. A Manitoba politician is throwing his name in the hat for federal office, hoping to take back a Winnipeg riding that was once an NDP stronghold. And Moose Jaw has picked a fight with Oslo, Norway, because the friendly city wants its title back. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, January 21st podcast for The Start. We want to discuss a video that you may have seen, even in passing, of a young man wearing a with a, one of those Make America Great hats, facing off with uh, an Indigenous elder in the United States. Yeah, and I think it sparked outrage right across that country and into this one, and kind of the video seen around the world in a few short hours. And it centered on that group of teens who were accused of mocking an elderly Indigenous protester during a rally in Washington, D.C. on Saturday Much of that rally was captured on camera. And in the first video that popped up on Twitter, you can actually see students wearing those Make America Great Again hats appearing to smugly and defiantly stare down the Indigenous man. Those images led to condemnation. And even the students' high school, a Catholic high school, promised an investigation and possible expulsion of those involved. But as CNN's Sarah Sidner explains, the student at the heart of that video, the one who a lot of people were calling a lot of names over the weekend, well, he says he was only trying to defuse the situation. The Catholic high school student who comes face to face with a Native American elder in a viral video is now responding. In a statement, student Nick Sandman says the viral video does not reflect the true nature of events when the students arrived at the Lincoln Memorial. When we arrived, we noticed four African-American protesters who were also on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, he said. The protesters said hateful things. Indeed, a small group of black men who identify as Hebrew Israelites did say hateful things to seemingly everyone around them, including a priest. Let's make America great again. A bunch of child molesting And the students. See how you got these pompous bastards come down here in the middle of a a native rally with their dirty ass hat on? At first, the Catholic students there for the March for Life are still in small numbers, but more and more show up, watching but not engaging. The small group of men continue taunting them. A bunch of incest babies. A bunch of babies made out of incest. Sandman says the rhetoric was startling. Because we were being loudly attacked and taunted in public, a student asked one of our teacher chaperones for permission to begin school spirit chants to counter the hateful things that were being shouted at our group. And they do. At one point, a student removes his shirt and the chants drown everything out. Two minutes later, you hear a drum beat. That is Nathan Phillips, an Omaha tribe elder and another drummer. Philip says it was their attempt to thwart potential violence. The kids danced to it. They began chanting along. I, I realized I had put myself in a really dangerous situation, you know. There's like, here's a group of people who were angry at somebody else, and I put myself in front of that. 
Phillips, a Vietnam veteran, walks around. Other students avoid him until you see him come face to face with the student who has now gone viral. In his statement, the student says he was the one trying to de-escalate the situation, not Phillips. I believe that by remaining motionless and calm, I was helping to defuse the situation. I realized everyone had cameras and that perhaps a group of adults was trying to provoke a group of teenagers into a larger conflict. Sandman has every opportunity to move back. So does Phillips. Neither do. Phillips maintains he felt the kids were mocking him and being rude. Sandman says it was the adults using hateful words and trying to provoke the kids, not the other way around. CNN's Sarah Sidner. Greg, what's your, your reaction to this video? Well, I think you'd be forgiven if you jump to conclusions. I think it would be very simple to imagine that there was a whole lot of mockery going on there. Even in listening to that report in the background, I'm thinking to myself, that doesn't sound like support. It sounds like making fun, but it also highlights this whole idea of how dangerous it can be to have a myopic view of anything, any situation, without getting different angles, different views, and clearly a second video of what happened here uh, could change the narrative. And let's face it, the school involved here immediately jumped to conclusions. This would have been an organization that you th would have thought would stand behind its students and say, let's not jump to conclusions. We want to get all the perspectives. We're not going to comment on this. Just know that we are looking to, they really went way out on a limb and said, we're going to do whatever we need to and up to and including expulsion. They made a pretty snap judgment themselves. And you would have thought that would be an organization that would have had these kids back. Sure. Didn't feel like that on Saturday. You had a mayor coming out, speaking against the students. You had, I think a congressperson coming out and speaking against, and he, he since gone back and said, oh, I'm proud of these kids now. So you have a fuller picture now, but I think it's no less controversial. And I, and I also think it paints when you see anyone wearing those mega hats now or the make America great again hats, you make an assumption about what they stand for and what they represent. And so I can also forgive those on the left who see teenagers wearing those hats and supporting a party that has come out against, you know, uh, immigrants or Mexicans or the wall thinking, what are these kids doing that they've come there? But they're also Catholic high school students so that the Catholic high school would support a Republican party that supports um is, is anti-abortion and all the other things. I mean, you have all these things coming into play politically for teenagers that we were that we all judged. Well, all that's weekend. what they were. They, they were there. The students were there for a March for Life protest, for sure. right? So uh, that sort of adds up. But we are really guilty. Like, we're going to talk about this whole idea of whether we like dynasties or not. If you see someone wearing a New England Patriots hat, you have a certain perspective. Either they're a bandwagon jumper <laughs> or uh, someone that only cheers for winning teams. Because I know that there are a lot of folks that have that perception when it comes to wearing merchandise for winning teams. Well, what's your justification for cheering for that team? I know I do it when I'm at Jets games and people are wearing a jersey of the opposite team. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I've got a six-year-old who's a Leafs fan, and uh, you should hear some of the things. He has a toque that he wore yesterday, and this other kid who was like 15, but comes up to him and is like, that's the wrong toque, buddy. Yeah. And now my six-year-old's like, what? Who's mad? Why are you mad at me? Like, <laughs> There's an inqui inquisition like, that takes place, right? Yeah. Why are you wearing that? Well, uh, I have a personal... Oh, okay, didn't understand.
It's yeah. okay. I used to get it in Vancouver. Got it in Calgary in uh, 1996 with my family. We all walked in with Winnipeg Jets jerseys. I'll never forget the Calgary Flames fans at the bottom. There was two of them looking at each other, and this one guy yells, Look at these losers! Really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, <laughs> there are things that, that come with that territory when you... When you brandish the merch on right. behalf so of a cause. You had this kid wearing the red hat, right. Republican supporter, uh, anti-choice, pro-life, standing there at a rally. And he and the look on his face, it was no matter what you want to say happened there, he, they were quick to call him smug and a little dip, you know what, and all the rest. And and he was and he was judged. I think, we, again, it's not as simple as it seemed. It's certainly far more complicated. And there might have been a rush to judgment. Yeah, and if this well, kid— There was if, if a rush to judgment on this kid. There's if, no question. If what he says is true, that he was just trying to defuse the situation by by calmly standing there, I think that needs to be applauded. I don't know what he was hoping to achieve by standing there, but uh, if also, that's what he wanted, I think that we got to at least give him the benefit of the doubt. Where were the—I I really am trying to figure out where the high school teachers were in all that. Like, where's your chaperones? And, and, and were they just on the side thinking nothing was going on? Or, like, if my kid was on a school trip and ended up in that situation, I would wonder why it, things were being hurled at them without an adult standing up saying something back or removing people from that situation. It just highlights the fact that one single image that we thought was conveying the entire story absolutely did not convey the entire story. It was one moment in time that had a lot of people worked up, and I think it's a good lesson to everybody to, to hear the entire story before you snap to judgment. <laughs> Producer Kyle. With the theme song for Dynasty. Oh, I used to love that show. And the reason producer Kyle is playing that is this. Second and goal to Burkett. Burkett to the end zone. Hello, Super Bowl. New England is heading back again for the third straight year. Is that Jim Nance? Yes. Yeah, you can almost hear that. New England's heading back. Again, to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Shoot us all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, someone put in a clip here of James Corden. Was that you, Greg? Yeah, James Corden had uh, kind of an interesting take, a, a special Sunday night edition of his program. The Patriots ended up winning. Of course they did. So congratulations to New England. Your 11-month Super Bowl drought is over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those poor Patriots. So that's uh, how many? This is going to be his third straight. Third straight, ninth overall. In in the last 18 games. It'll be 17 years, but 18 games, because they it was 2002 when they uh, played their first one with the Brady Belichick. Wow. Yeah, it's quite the dynasty. So, yeah. do we like dynasties? Because my reaction was, "Oh God, the Patriots again!" Like, how boring is this? <laughs> and yet, I found myself suddenly curious and thinking, maybe I'll tune into this. Because had the Patriots not gotten in, there's a very good chance I wouldn't tune in at all. Not because I don't care for either of those teams, but to me, that I'm just not a huge sports fan. But I would like to see the Patriots lose 
So now I guess maybe I do like dynasties from the sense of adding because the Patriots for me are the villain and everybody wants a villain to cheer against and a hero to cheer for. See, and, and I look at dynasties from a complete opposite perspective than you hit, man. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the New England Patriots, but I admire them. I admire Tom Brady's ability time after time after time to deliver when it matters the most. And, uh, you know, it was like watching the Edmonton Eskimos uh, back when they had their dynasty of five consecutive Grey Cups. You had to bring that up. The New York Islanders when they were on their run, followed by the Edmonton Oilers after that. I mean, you you know, and and the thing is, Greg, maybe Mm -hmm. to help ease the pain a little bit, there is a very good opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to perhaps uh, be a dynasty themselves. So then you'll not have to... Yeah, lament that Gro- terminology and, yeah. and the whole City of Champions thing that uh, hung over my head from the mid-1980s all the way till uh, 1990. Kyle Milroy, do you love the Patriots or do you love to hate them? Um, I'm more I'm more fascinated than I enjoy watching the Patriots. I think there is that silence sort of asterisk with everyone when they say they hate dynasties. It's when they hate other people's dynasties. If we had to, if we had to go out at Portage and Maine every year for four years in a row and celebrate a Stanley Cup victory, I don't think people would be like, oh, just going through the motions. It's getting boring. (laughs) (laughs) Not another Stanley Cup. Yeah, I just can't handle this. We really should give it to someone else this time, you know? (laughs) It's just not fair. What about you, Bron? I'm like you. I I find it very boring that they're in the Super Bowl again. I was actually excited with the prospect of watching the Chiefs and the Rams game. But as soon as Brady got the ball with two minutes left, I was like, well, they're just going to win this game. It was a foregone conclusion before it was even a foregone conclusion. So, uh, and also as a Jets or a Giants fan, sorry, um, I've enjoyed watching some of the games that Brady has played in the Super Bowl because yes. <laughs> the Giants are the only team he can't seem to beat. But other than that, no, it's it's a sort of I love to hate them. Their fans are so obnoxious. Is there anyone more obnoxious than a New England Patriots fan? They're just so entitled. I've got a buddy that he doesn't like. He won't have enjoyed a moment of yesterday's game. He only likes watching when they just clobber somebody. Otherwise, it's not fun for him. Really? And he, and he thinks he's entitled to that. He would complain that yesterday's game wasn't fair because oh, it should have been you know twenty-one nothing after mm. the first three possessions of the Patriots. The close ones are the fun ones. That's that's no, bizarre. It makes for, you feel better when you win those ones because you're like, oh yeah, like so good. No, all my friends are psychopaths. So. <laughs> okay, and there's that. Oh. I like dynasties for what they can create in the next generation. Like I think of even myself was born. I was an Oilers fan as a kid just because that's what was there um, in terms of champions, and I, I like the idea of how good it might feel to be able to cheer for that team um, and have that feeling. And so I can get like how. Uh, I mean, I, like Kyle said, like no one's walking away from that thinking, oh, this is boring if you're a fan of that team. Right. Yeah. And I think it's cool when the you know next generation will grow up and there'll be a gap. They'll go like 10 or 15 years without something. And the kids who are growing up in this now will be the ones recalling the good old days of 2019 or whatever. And then, then they'll have their turn. Like there'll be a there'll be a lull. 
Yeah, and Kelly, just when I had, I respect <laughs> the dynasty. That's that's part of the reason I think why I finally gave up on it because I had to begrudgingly acknowledge and yeah. admire what Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls did. Sure, in, with their six championships, I just happened to cheer against them all the time because everyone else was so keen to get. Not everyone, many were keen to get on the Michael Jordan bandwagon, and I just sort of cheered against them because. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was cheering for, for John Stockton and Gray uh, and the man as well yeah. in all of those memorable playoffs you know but at the same time he <laughs> admiring the greatness of Jordan Air Jordan and the Bulls yeah it's funny that people forget how the Bulls had a hard time getting past the Knicks getting past the Celtics and the Pistons what they did did not happen overnight. No, not and at all. And I was a Michael Jordan fan from his days at University of North Carolina. So I was a huge Michael Jordan fan and went through them losing in the playoffs. So when they finally won, it felt really good. I, I think at the end of the day, if you love your team and you stick by your team through thick and thin, then then you deserve all the, the fruits mm-hmm. of your labor and uh, – don't give up because let me tell you the season you give up on your team that's the year they're going to go to the championship. Oh, now you're back because yeah. they're winning. Yeah. Hey, by the way, what makes a sports dynasty? Is it three wins? Five? I think it's 12, three. three. I think it's three now, Kelly. What do you say? Uh, you know what? If you're there year after year after year, it doesn't matter if you win. You're Just there. Appearing, yeah. Talk about eloquence <laughs> on this Monday morning. There are a few people who can put such a miserable subject into such eloquent terms. His name is Dave Phillips. He is senior climatologist with Environment Canada, and he joins us now live on The Start. David Phillips, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. It's brass monkey weather here where I live here in Ontario. Boy, it's uh, pretty cold. Everybody's talking about the cold and the snow, and uh, it's something that uh, you're, you're very used to, of course. Normally, I don't feel too sorry for southern Ontario residents when they complain about the cold, but I think you are getting a real dose of it there at minus 30, kind of the same that we had going on in the last few days. Well, and you're right about that, you know, and what, what is everybody sort of uh, uh, scratching their heads here is that uh, we got heavy amounts of snow in some parts of uh, southern Ontario, Quebec. At the same time, it's it was uh, pretty, the coldest, uh, well, the snowiest moment of the winter and the coldest moment of the winter. And those those things don't go hand in glove, as you know. I mean, sometimes if it's just too cold to snow, it never is, but uh, you don't get a lot of snow when it's very cold. But uh, with the weather system coming up through the United States had dumped a lot of snow and uh, bumped into the cold air, and uh, boy, it is uh, now turned uh, very cold in uh, places with minus uh, 40 plus wind chills in some places, and so people are uh, just not uh, not used to it here. And, and for you people, you've had your the coldest moment of the winter the last three days, where you've had temperatures below minus 30. I'm not talking about the uh, embellished wind chill; these are the absolute air temperatures, and and you've had only three days with temperatures below minus 30 this uh, this winter. Normally it had seven by this time, and the last three days have been minus minus uh, 30. But uh, so, and, and this is also, guys, you know the what we call the dead of winter. This is about for you guys. You're about to maybe five days beyond the dead of winter, where there's more winter behind you than ahead of you. Always that I think that's a time to celebrate if you're not a big fan of winter. Only five days. 
behind us? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Well, David. you know, it, it occurs around the 13th, or maybe seven days. Uh, 13th of January, the 15th of January is typically when you reach the bottom of the barrel, and then the days just get progressively a little bit warmer. We know they get a little <laughs> longer, but um, it doesn't always work out most, uh, some winters, but uh, on average, uh, that's that's where we were, we're beginning that slow rise upwards. So I actually noticed the change in the amount of daylight that we've had sitting yeah. having dinner last night around six o'clock you could still see dusk and the and the sun on the horizon so that so that was nice and Toronto looks like you're gonna eventually warm up here we're getting a reprieve for what about 48 hours and then it's back yeah. into the deep freeze it, 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 you're right. It's kind of the intermission between uh, a cold bouts. I, I don't think um, the next one will be as quite as brutally cold. However, it may be a little longer. So you you lose out on the terms of the intensity. I don't see we don't see any sort of minus uh, thirty. Uh, really, maybe. Well, gee, I don't know. It may be, but uh, it, it it is. Um, it's the length of the next bout. It's that polar vortex that just spinning up there and coming southward uh, and uh, and giving us a taste of, uh, of what the Arctic is all about. So, uh, but uh, my hope is that uh, when we come by the early, early first week of, of February, we'll begin to see a, a clear break and, uh, and, and I think it won't be as bad after that. So I can just pretend that you just told me that winter ends February, first week of February. That's what I heard. <laughs> Well, maybe with the groundhog, when he, when he sees his, he won't see his shadow and a mean spring is just around the corner. David, looking at Toronto's temperature right now, and indeed yeah. you are colder than we are. You're at minus 21 right now, and yeah. with a wind chill minus 33. You're under an extreme cold warning, but the, how do you set the benchmark for extreme cold warning depending on the region? That's a good point, and, and I'm scrambling now just to find a way. Now, for us, it would be minus 30 here in southwestern or uh, southwestern Ontario. We get two days in a, two hours in a row of minus 30, and we would issue uh, that kind of uh, of, a, of a warning. For you people, it would have to be uh, about minus 40 to qualify as a as a, a cold warning. For uh, and, and again, it's that uh, typically that two hours, two consecutive of hours of minus 40, whether it be the air temperature or wind chill, and then that that cold, extreme cold warning would, would kick in. Is it different because of just, you know, to sum it up, it's all relative, so we have different guidelines for different parts of the country because... I don't want to say we're tougher than you, but because you you have different... <laughs> yes, you do. I do kind of want to say that, but the idea would be in Southern Ontario, and I live there, when you don't get that many days, you have to issue those warnings because people just might not be as prepared for that kind of cold. Well, Lorraine, you're right about that because you know if if uh, we were if if you we issued cold weather warnings for our standard in Winnipeg, I mean people would just tune you out. I mean they just wouldn't take that extra precaution to. Uh, so in some parts, for example, the northern prairies, the uh, southern Arctic, uh, that that thresholds about minus fifty, and so you wouldn't hear a, a winter uh, a cold warning unless the air temperature or the wind chill got below minus fifty, and up in uh, Nunavut, it's uh, it's more like minus fifty five. So yes, you're right. Different different criteria. I don't know what it is in Vancouver, but uh, whether they would even get a, a cold warning. And I'm just uh, looking for the southern interior of uh, 
of British Columbia, well, it uh, looks like it's uh, about a minus 30. Well, and I, I was sure that we saw some sort of warning in terms of Vancouver uh, when the te- temperature slipped below zero around minus two just a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, but maybe you can shoot us an email with that. It'd be interesting to know what the threshold is on the lower mainland. Yes, I will do that. I, uh, I'll, I'm struggling to look through it now, but uh, I can't find it. I know the central interior is, but that can certainly be up in the northern part of the province. It's quite different. But in the lower mainland, my gosh, they, uh, they, it, it becomes a worry for them when they get a, a freezing temperature, not just something in double digits with a negative in front of it. All right, David, so we have a couple of days break, and then it's going to cool off. How long are we expecting our next cold snap to go? Well, I mean, I, I look as far as I can see, you know, as Lorraine knows, I can only go about uh, maybe 10 days. Um, and uh, it looks, as I say, not as intensely cold. Uh, for example, uh, you know, you've had temperatures that yesterday and the day before that were maybe 10, 12 degrees colder than normal. And what we see, say, a week from now are temperatures that may be 2 degrees colder than normal. So my sense is that, um, hey, I I kind of feel that it's, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're on the upswing now, and we should look at it that way. Uh, it's, uh, it's not over, but uh, it's, the days are getting longer, and the cold is not quite as intense, uh, we think, uh, with the, the, the weeks to come. All right, Environment Canada's Dave Phillips joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Phillips, thank you very much. You're so welcome, guys. Bye-bye now. 7.45. See, I heard winter's almost over. Only seven more days. We're tougher than everybody else in Canada. That's what I. That, that's my takeaway. Cole's notes. That seems like an accurate and responsible <laughs> summary of what Thank we just you. heard. Thank you. Responsible was key there. Are you prepared to type that out and put that in no. a global news story? That's I what not, I want to know. I don't want anyone calling me next Thursday and being like, "You son of a, you know what?" Loren McNabb said, "Winter is <laughs> McNabb at cjob.com If you'd you like to send those first. emails in advance. I'm right about one of those things. We're tougher. There you go. Well, yeah. that's accurate. Yeah. And then and, and those living north of us in northern Manitoba probably think that we're a bunch of exactly. whips. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because if their threshold is minus 50, and yeah, it makes sense, you know, that that their threshold would be minus 30 because they are not used to that. Whereas here, minus 30, not so bad when after we get used to a stretch of minus 40-ish wind chill kind of weather. Ren McNabb, a Manitoba politician looking to take back what was once a stronghold for the NDP yeah. on the federal circuit. Winnipeg Centre, the riding you speak of, was actually an NDP stronghold for years, almost 20 years, in fact, previously held by Pat Martin. Then in 2015, Liberal MP Robin Falcon Willette won that race. And so he is the current MP for Winnipeg Centre. But now it appears NDP MLA Andrew Swan and former Manitoba Justice Minister is going to try to see if they can win that back for the NDP. With more on his decision to leave provincial politics to try and enter the federal ring, we're joined by Andrew now. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. How are you? We're great, thank you. I, I want to ask you first, we know that your provincial uh, riding was being impacted by boundary changes, and so you would have had to run elsewhere in the provincial election should you choose to have done that. Did that play a role in your decision to try to give another realm of politics a try? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of factors. Some are a push and some are a pull. Uh, Minto riding I was going to cease to exist, so... Uh, even if I was staying provincial, I'd be covering some, some new territory. I mean, people uh, in the West End certainly know who I am. Uh, but, yeah, there'd be some uh, striking out into some new areas. So uh, if I'm the federal candidate, I'll be uh, continuing to represent all of the West End, 
but also Wolseley, Downtown, Centennial, Weston, and a big chunk of St. James as well. Andrew, it's Greg Mackling here. And so just talk about uh, the logistics of this. Are you going to be able to continue to sit as an MLA while you pursue this nomination for the uh, NDP for the federal riding? There will now be a nomination race. There is another candidate. So we'll be doing our best uh, for what is probably going to be a short and intense race to uh, sign up memberships because it doesn't matter what your experience is or what your credentials are. Uh, you've got to get people that are going to support you and come out. Uh, my hope is that there'll be an early date and uh, this will be resolved one way or the other by the time we head back into the legislature in March. If I am successful, uh, my plan is to remain for the spring session and then uh, to resign my seat uh, after we rise uh, right at the start of June. Any concern, though, from con- your constituents in Minto that in the meantime you'll be distracted by this federal situation to focus on your duties as a provincial politician representing them? Yeah, you know, today uh, today's a big day. Uh, I let it be known yesterday, and we have an event tonight, but I'm off to my constituency office and sergeant uh, in a little bit to go and... Uh, sign some papers and, and meet with some constituents. So I'm going to continue to uh, to give the folks in the West End the kind of attention that they've appreciated over the past 15 years. Before we even get to winning a seat in the House of Commons, you need to win that NDP nomination first. You're going up against uh, Leah Gazin. She's a well-known activist, well-known Winnipegger. She's fought for many issues from housing to poverty to LGBTQ. Um, how do you expect that fight to go down? And, and what are you standing for then when it comes to just securing this nomination first? A number of things. I mean, I've, uh, I've lived in Winnipeg Centre for the last 28 years, including 23 years in the house that my wife and I bought where we raised our kids. Uh, people in the West End and, and uh, elsewhere know uh, that I understand the issues in, uh, in this community. This is an area with tremendous potential. It's also an area with, with big challenges. And uh, we've seen uh, the impact that addictions have, I mean, with, uh, with opioids and, uh, and methamphetamine, we have an MP who has been missing in action on this file. Uh, yes, he was just recently appointed to the task force, which seems to have delayed things because nobody wanted him on it. And uh, I don't understand, if you're representing the area, how you couldn't know the problems uh, that, have, that have been going on. And he's been silent. He's been missing in action on, uh, on some very, very important issues. And people know that I'm not afraid to speak up and to, to raise issues. On the questions of addictions, I've been up in the House for two years now trying to get to the provincial and federal governments to take this seriously and, uh, uh, and help out those suffering, but also all the rest of us who have public safety concerns. Andrew, many would argue that you would be more valuable as an MLA in a sitting government versus an opposition. The chances of the NDP winning the next election, uh, we can cast the, the chances aside. We won't do too much crystal ball gazing on that. But h- how do you feel a- a- about that approach? Let's just pretend you're in opposition. Why are you more valuable than a, a member who's sitting in the actual uh, party that is governing the country. Yeah, you know, this is a riding that has a proud tradition of, uh, of sending strong people to Ottawa. Uh, J.S. Woodsworth was the MP for this area. He was never in government, but because of J.S. Woodsworth, we have old age pensions in Canada. Stanley Knowles was a legendary MP. He actually won 13 of 14 elections. Stanley Knowles was all about fair pensions and about uh, health care. And actually, he did a lot more uh, as an opposition politician 
as a lot of the government MPs ever do. So there is a proud tradition. We can't just rest on history, but uh, what my job is is to remind people that it's actually New Democrats that talk about important issues and stand up for people that live in the heart of Winnipeg. All right, Andrew Swan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time and the access. Thank you. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start on 680 CJOB. We were very excited to have a conversation right now with someone from Big Tobacco on National Non-Smoking Week. It's National Non-Smoking Week, and somebody from Rothman's, Benson, and Hedges reached out to talk about how more Canadians can butt out. They wanted to pitch us how they are what they're doing to try to get people to to quit smoking, and they are going to tell us that their goal, uh, cigarette company, their goal is to stop selling cigarettes. So we thought we should talk to them. Well, considering that when we all read the email, it gave us whiplash because we had to double, triple check what we were reading uh, other than the chiropractor or uh, massage therapy bill that maybe we should have them cover. It was a matter of... uh, Great personal and, I think, uh, broad interest as to why this company would have this as a stated goal and uh, what direction they're going as a corporation because I don't think they're intending to shut down no. operations, They're right? not doing this to make less money. Companies aren't in it for less money. But perhaps there's room to acknowledge they're looking to diversify. I don't know if it's vaping, if it's other options that might be on the table for folks, but usually, and we have got them this morning too, and we'll get to them this week. This is uh, National Non-Smoking Week, and so we also have people we're going to speak to throughout the week about the things we should be watching for and being concerned about and what the rates are amongst teens and all that kind of stuff when it comes to just smoking and tobacco use. Now, I know that uh, Rothman's Benson & Hedges is owned by Philip Morris International, and Philip Morris has a product called the ICOS, I-Q-O-S, I Quit Ordinary Smoking. And it's similar to a vape. It's actually similar to a product that's been out in the market, uh, from what I understand, uh, on the cannabis section, which is it's a heat, not burn. So you instead of smoking the cannabis, you put the cannabis into this, like a, for all intents and purposes, a vaporizer, and it heats the cannabis. Mm-hmm. So you're not burning it. So this is a similar thing where you heat the tobacco and it still generates an aerosol. So it's... Because lots, all of the harm, really, most of the harm comes from the Smoke. burning like of the, the cigarette. So you're, you're not burning the tobacco, you're just heating it and it creates this mm-hmm. aerosol. Uh, so I guess it's a similar kind of thing, uh, similar to, I don't know what, I don't know if it's good. I'm not saying, let me rephrase that. Certainly not good for you, but as an alternative, alternative right. to smoking traditional cigarettes, that could be something for people who are looking to get off of traditional tobacco but have had a hard time with quitting. You know, and I don't want to sound like I'm advocating for that. Right. I'm at, I'm, anything that gets you off of smoking traditional cigarettes, I'm fine with if you stick with it. You know, like I, uh, I haven't really been public with this yet, but uh, I did, I was very public when I quit smoking uh, for about 14 months. It was from fall of 2016 to the end of 2017. I had finally quit smoking. I was off of it. It was done, but all it takes is one to get back to fall into that trap, and I did. And uh, for I eventually started smoking again back in April of this year, 
and I was rather ashamed of it. And uh, eventually I picked up a vaporizer. I went uh, to Flamingo Vape on Osborne. They're uh, just near Osborne and I guess really near Confusion Corner. They're between mm-hmm. uh, Gertrude and Confusion Corner. And it's been two months now since I've had a cigarette. So was that conscious in the sense of I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to quit the habit altogether, but if I move to vaping, I'm, I might be able to slowly downgrade the use of any sort of tobacco product? Yeah, I don't really, I don't know that I have any intention in, in to the To never vape future. again or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I just don't want to smoke again because I feel awful. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying, if you don't do it, do not start vaping. I would never, somebody asked me once, uh, yeah, you know what? I've been thinking about picking up vaping because nicotine is a stimulant. Well, there's a sense, there's a sense that that's the marketing right, is to encourage people to go from doing nothing Mm -hmm. to vaping in order to gain the quote-unquote benefits of ingesting nicotine. Yeah, and I think that's the concern, especially amongst teens in the States that call it an epidemic when it comes to vaping because they were kids that weren't going to smoke but have somehow found an interest in vaping. So there's all sorts of questions around that, right? So, Well, at long last, better late than never, Peter Luongo, Managing Director, Rothman's Benson & Hedges, joins us now live on 680 CJOB to talk about National Non-Smoking Week. Peter, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you? Doing very well, but I, I got to admit, and uh, hopefully uh, the person who set this up gave you a heads up ahead of time that we were all a little surprised when Big Tobacco reached out to talk about National Non-Smoking Week. So what's on your mind? Well, for us, we just want to emphasize that we think there's a great opportunity to switch people from cigarettes to other alternative products that can give them the nicotine that they're looking for without all of the harmful chemicals that they get from cigarette smoke. So what kind of product do you have in mind? Well, there are vaping products out there. We sell a product that heats tobacco instead of burning it called Icos, which is also very interesting for people looking for alternatives to cigarettes. I think what's important is that people understand that the real harm from cigarettes comes from the smoke. It's not the nicotine. And that's the why we're so interested in something like non-smoking week, because if we can get people to get the nicotine that they're looking for without the smoke, there's a tremendous opportunity from a public health perspective. But you're still also moving people over to a highly addictive product, which is nicotine. So I can appreciate what you're saying about the smoke. But at the end of the day, you're a company that still wants to have sales. So you're you're would be encouraging people to find a way to still get that addictive nicotine. But really what we're talking about is people who are smoking today. And that's the the critical aspect here, is that if someone's smoking today, you know, they're consuming the most harmful form of nicotine and tobacco. So if you can move them to something that's less harmful, uh, that's a good thing for them. Obviously, the best thing is to quit altogether. But the reality is we have millions of people who are smoking today in Canada, and we need to have alternatives for them. Peter, the the concern as a parent for me and uh, speak on behalf of of probably millions of parents across the country is that the product that you're you're endorsing here also may may encourage individuals who had zero intention of ever picking up a cigarette into considering this idea of ingesting nicotine with this mechanical device. Well, look, I'm a parent as well and of children who are of the age where where this is an issue and i think it's 
critically important that we, we educate children about this and that we don't encourage anyone, youth or otherwise, to start using nicotine who um, are either underage or not already using it because it is a huge problem. And that's one of the, the reasons that, you know, the, the product that we're selling today has tobacco in it so that people understand that if I'm not a tobacco user, I shouldn't be using this product. Um, and it's one of the reasons that we're so um, supportive of, you know, strict, um, you know, approaches in terms of marketing, in terms of where products are sold, in terms of age verification, because I think we can all agree that it's critical that we're only talking about alternatives for smokers who are adults, not for other people. Peter, if I walk into a vape shop, like I, uh, I get my stuff from Flamingo Vape on Osborne. Uh, there are a couple of flamingos throughout the city. But if I walk into a vape shop, I can buy nicotine juice at different l- dose levels, right down to zero. I can vape juice with no nicotine in it. This Icos product which you've created can you get varying levels of nicotine let's say i'm looking to wean myself off of nicotine is there one where there's simply no nicotine in the product Uh, well today um our products all do have nicotine um but we think that that's uh, important to be able to have smokers completely switch to the product because you know, one of the challenges with a lot of the vaping products out there is that smokers try them, uh, but they don't find them satisfying, and they go back to cigarettes, which is the worst thing for them to do. So we think it's important that um, smokers are able to get the nicotine that they're looking for because it dramatically increases the likelihood that they can completely stop using cigarettes. And will there be a potential in the future for such a method with this Icos where you have varying levels of nicotine where you want to start for a couple of weeks on X level of nicotine and then downgrade to Y level and then ultimately no nicotine and then you can end up leaving the product behind? Yeah, that's not how the, the product was designed today, but you know, certainly you know, all of those things are, are feasible as you look into the, the future. All right, Peter Luongo joining us live this morning from Rothman's Benson and Hedges. He is managing director. Thank you very much for the time, Peter. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And again, as you pointed out, Loren, this is still a company. Mm-hmm. They uh, Their goal is to stop selling cigarettes. Well, a tobacco company that doesn't sell cigarettes is a company that no longer exists. Yeah, it's not like Winnipeg Harvest when they say, ideally, we'd be out of business in 10 years because we wouldn't have any any more uh, lower income people or homeless or others to deal with. That's not what they're saying here. They just need to find, they're looking for another market like lots of businesses are. Yeah. And, <laughs> and as well, and it's a catch 22, right? Because you create this, this product that is geared towards people who already are addicted right. to, to smoking. And if it's a product, like I said, that can help you get off of traditional cigarettes, I'm all for it. But Me of too. course there is the danger that those who don't smoke already but like oh hang on a second well, here this is something that's now not as bad for me right but it's what's the difference between that and you go to a liquor store and they have a variation someone's standing there telling you about a product that has less alcohol in it or lower fat if that's what you're worried about or, or you know uh, cal- caloric content i mean at the end of the day they're all making looking to make money and if we're we're increasingly conscious about our health so they are getting that too. And how can we find ways to give you what you may kind of want, make you feel a little bit better about what you're doing? I mean, like you said, you're looking at it more of a wean-off scenario than than a try this now. Yeah, and it feels like a try this now for a society that I think has done a pretty good job in making smoking cigarettes socially un- unacceptable. 
Right. It's, it's something that most people don't do anymore. It's very rare that you see it. Yeah, you're surprised, now, actually. When, like, when I walk into an apartment and I can smell uh, cigarette smoke or you get into someone's, someone, we tried to buy a car a few months ago and man, it was a used vehicle and it reeked of cigarette smoke. And the guy was like, no, we promise you we can get this smell out. And I was like, how? Like That's it was one so, of the first rules of buying a used car is to never buy a, smoker's a used car, car from right. a smoker. But, but my, my disgust that I had just in that smell and I had nothing to do with it was pretty, like it was so obvious and you knew he was going to have a hard time because of that, because of also the stigma that's sort of, I think, around it a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, and hopefully any anyone who is considering, whoever contemplates it again, as someone who vapes, I would never, ever recommend, if you don't smoke or don't vape now, I would never tell you to pick it up as a habit. I vape because I wanted to get off of smoking, and one day I'll hopefully put the vaporizer back down again. Uh, but for now, it's it's I'm just going to stick with it until I can uh, be ready to let it go. But do not ever start. Kids, if you're listening, never smoke, never vape. If you already don't do it, and if you have started, if you're a young person you have started, then please consider putting it down. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Should tenant insurance be mandatory for renters? Your options are, yes, you need insurance to buy a home, so why not renters? Yes, but with payment options for low-income earners, more payment options for low-income earners, or simply no. You can log on to cjob.com. What's going on in this fight between Moose Jaw and Norway? Well, if you've ever traveled down the Trans-Canada, so many of us have, uh, your trip down number one would have taken you past or through Moose Jaw. And on that journey, like I did as a kid, you may have stopped to take a picture next to the world's tallest moose. At least Moose Jaw used to hold that claim to fame. I didn't know that they actually lost this title. Did you, Greg? Mm-hmm. You did. Okay. <laughs> I love when Saskatchewan loses. Oh, you know come that. on now. Well, we're going we're gonna to chat a bit more about that maybe later. <laughs> but right now, Mac the Moose, as he's known, is no longer well, the world's tallest. Well, it's a great name for a moose, don't you think? If I was going to name a moose, yes. <laughs> Mac is an excellent one. But two of its fans who are upset about the fact that it's no longer the world's tallest moose have taken this call to action. Dear people of Moose Jaw, an egregious offense has been committed against you by the people of Norway. Four years ago, the people in Oslo, Norway, purposely, and I mean purposely, created a moose bigger than Mackla Moose by 30 centimeters to try and stick it to us and steal the world's largest moose statue. We people of Saskatchewan, we are friendly, we are kind, we will give you the shirt off our back. But when you come after our national treasures, internationally known around the world, we will not abide that. We are calling on the mayor of Musha, Frazier told me to find a way, whether it's a giant hat, long eyelashes, a huge rack, to put 31 centimeters back on Mac and stick it to Oslo. Or else crawl back in a hole and rename your city Jaw. <laughs> that was wow. Moose Jaw residents Justin Reeves and Greg Moore taking to YouTube to share their frustrations. Most of it tongue in cheek, but they did put a call to the mayor to do something. So we thought we'd go to the mayor of Moose Jaw. Fraser told me to ask what is being done. Good morning, Fraser. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. I'm guessing you've heard that audio a few times now. Yes, I, I, I have. Yeah, numerous times. And it's. Uh, 
it, it cuts me deep. It cuts me deep. <laughs> so what you going to do about it, man? Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to start this off by saying, number one, thanks for having me on your show. Uh, we're going to deal with the Mac the Moose situation, and then we're, then we're going to deal with this Paul LaPolice situation <laughs> and get him out here in, the, in Ryderville here. Well, I heard you, the smack talk already here. You, you, you can try all you like. Uh, Paul LaPolice is going to stay right here where he belongs. And I have this uh, love-hate relationship, and, I, and I've admitted it, uh, Mayor, that uh, my – Disdain for Saskatchewan should more rightfully be described as jealousy because I think Saskatchewan does so many things very well. And here's an example. In Manitoba, someone tries to take our world title away from us. We'd be like, oh, man, that, that, that's terrible. But in Saskatchewan, you have this call to action. This, this is outrageous. It must be fixed. So well, we're you know, asking, I, what are you going to do? This. this is personal for me. All like, right. Mac the Moose has been, was named after a former city councillor in the city of Moose Jaw, Les McKenzie. Now, very few people know this, but Les McKenzie, who passed away, uh, was my wife's great uncle through marriage. So, uh, you know, we're tight. We're tight here. So, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, you know, I, I, thanks for, for the compliment, but... You know, we need to we need to uh, take up arms here. This is a situation that we got on our hands, and uh, and I've said this before. Uh, you know, uh, to your listeners, uh, you know, there are some things you just don't do to Canadians. You don't say hockey night in Canada is a chat show, okay? You don't water down our beer, and you don't tell us we can't put maple syrup on our pancakes, and you don't mess with Mac the Moose. Well, not only have they messed with Mac the Moose, but it looks like their statue is kind of fancier, too. It's got this nice sort of shiny finish to it. Uh, what do you think of that? I, I think it looks like a great hood ornament, and I'd <laughs> like it on my car as Mayor Moose Jaw. I think that would really go nice. I think you'd have to put... I don't know if it fit. I got a, I've got, you know, a compact here, but I, you know... I think you'd have to put wheels on it. Yeah, I think you'd have I, to I, actually I drive it. Down. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so is it as simple as the two gentlemen suggested in that video, you know, throwing a hat on the moose or just giving it some stilts? I mean, what what's in all seriousness, not that I want to get too serious about Mac the Moose, can you do to make him a little taller? Well, we are going to be having a press conference later on today, and Mac the Moose, I mean, he's had a lot of time to think about this. Uh, you know, we've had lots of suggestions that have come forward. Uh, putting ice skates on him, because he likes to skate. Um, someone said uh, stilettos, uh, but that doesn't really go for the winner. You know, we don't want anybody breaking their ankles, you know. Um, but uh, uh, the thing with the Stetson and Tukes and 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 cowboy hats and rider helmets and hockey helmets is that it's it's an accessory it's not really uh part of the body and mm. if we're going to reclaim this crown uh which we will and i'm promising your people that we will reclaim this crown it's got to be something about his own physical body okay so and a crown so, won't an actual crown won't work either no crown won't work either. So, uh, I mean, but, you know, we'll have an honorary crown. And, and we've one suggestion was that we have a, uh, a cup, like uh, the Stanley Cup, 31 uh, centimeters tall, and have a, a hockey competition between our, our two cities. And whoever wins gets the cup for the year. So it's <laughs> kind of like a new Canada Cup thing. But. So at this uh, anyway. announcement this afternoon, are, are you going to, uh, is that just all up for the discussion? Or is it more like you have something planned that we're going to hear about later today? 
Well, there is there is a press conference at uh, 10 o'clock local time here. Um, and so once I'm finished the interview with you guys, I'll be uh, heading up. But I will be uh, speaking on behalf of Mac the Moose. Um, and we're going to have to see what he has to say. But uh, uh, we we have plans to reclaim the crown. And, and we've had uh, worldwide support on this, this issue. And uh, people from the U.K., uh, people south of the border, uh, Chicago, um, New Orleans, and uh, uh, by the way, talking about New Orleans, I mean, what they were robbed. I think that was that rep was Norwegian. If I I can't confirm or deny, but I think he was Norwegian. Oh, I love everything about this interview, and I want to point out to our listeners that it actually came to us hearing about this controversy via the New York Times. So you've had people from yeah. all over the world writing about this too, and trying to get a, drum up a little support, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. We're looking for support, and uh, and so thank you to uh, to you to have me on your show, and and uh, thank you to your uh, listeners in Winnipeg. Uh, you are near and dear to my heart because I I used to stay in Portage La Prairie through my military training, uh, flight training, and and I used to go and visit uh, Winnipeg, and I I love your city. So uh, great opportunity to speak to your people. Mayor told me my typical response to something like this would be couldn't happen to a better place. Uh, But let me tell you this, uh, you've got my full support and the fact that uh, Mac the Moose uh, wears the moniker MAC, you have it uh, in uh, triplicate from me. So thanks for this very much. Uh, My pleasure and thanks very much for having me. Fraser told me, Mayor of Moose Jaw looking to reclaim their title of the world's biggest moose. And we had a couple of people texting what I suspect could be the solution here, bigger antlers. Uh, that was uh, Lauren saying that, and then Robert saying, "All you got to do is fix up the ant- antler rack and make it more grandiose." Or get Mac a partner. Mac's been lonely all these years. Build a second one. I feel like there's a need to have a a whole other. It could be Moose's jaw, Meese jaw. <laughs> I know that Moose is plural already. I know. I don't want to hear it from anybody. I, I like Meese jaw, but I like Meese jaw, Moose's jaw. <laughs> Yeah, well, and the antler. Well, well, the, what, if you build a second bigger moose, would that not take away from Mac? Mm-hmm. You're gonna need a. What was it from Jaws? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah. You're gonna need a bigger rack. Okay. <laughs> I have so many jokes I want to so make. Much. Please go to break. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.